Today's scripture lesson comes from the book of Acts. You can find it in the New Testament on page 921 of your Pew Bible. This is Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you so much for the gift of your word and your Holy Spirit, Father. Um, lift up to you, Pastor Pete, as he proclaims your name, Lord, um, to the congregation. I pray that you give him the spirit of peace and strength as he shares your word with us. Lord, and I pray for we, the congregation, that you give us the spirit to hear, the conviction, the discernment, and the peace to go out and fulfill your duty, Lord, um, to expand your kingdom. I pray for the broken who are hearing your word for the first time, Lord. I pray that you give them your Holy Spirit to hear your word for the first time today, Lord. And you be with everyone, including Pastor Pete, as he shares your word. We lift you up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Longster. Thank you, Longster. Welcome to Building Antioch Part 2. In the Church of Antioch, we saw last week that blueprint for a grace-filled, diverse family of faith comprised of truly converted believers who are used by the Holy Spirit to transform their city. This morning in the passage that Longstreet just read with us in Acts 13, we see the design elements of a spiritually powerful church reaching the world with the gospel, which is truly the heartbeat of this church. A little background, Acts 13 marks the tipping point in the book of Acts. The first uh, 12 chapters could be labeled the ministry of Peter, and chapters 13 to 28, the ministry of Paul. These two apostles mark the major division of the book. It could also be divided another way. The first part, chapters 1 through 12, could be marked as the foundation of a characteristically Jewish church. Think of the church in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And then here in chapter 13 is the beginning of the Gentile church. Think, when we're thinking of Acts 1, 8, the commissioning, uh, the church to go to the ends of the earth. It was at Antioch that a unique blend of Jewish believers and Gentiles were the first to be called Christians by the wider community. And God used them to do something that had never been done before. Now, this baby church of Antioch had probably only been together for two, perhaps closer to three years when the crucial next step in their mission was about to begin. When they gathered for worship, 
I dare say none of them had any idea what was about to occur, what the Holy Spirit was going to do and say among them for this monumental service. So for those of us taking notes, here's the main idea today. A transformational church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. For our church to experience power, we must be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We must yield ourselves, our will, our agenda, our plans to God. Now that's true for all of us, but it is especially true for our leaders. Because a church never rises any higher or goes any further than her leaders. God has always put a premium on solid spiritual leadership, as we'll see in this passage this morning. But the main idea includes all of us. We're all part of this together. Now, there are three examples of the power of the Holy Spirit found in the story of Antioch. The first is Barnabas. We looked at last week, Barnabas chapter 11, verse 24, it says that Barnabas was filled with the Spirit. Verse 28, it says that the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophet Agabus about the famine situation in Jerusalem. And then our passage today, where the Holy Spirit intervenes in the middle of a worship service to call Paul and Barnabas to go out into the mission field. Talk about job security. Imagine coming to worship service and and getting redeployed by the congregation. Well, that's what happened right here. Look with me, if you will, at verse 1. It says, Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of of, uh, Serene, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Jeff York, the, the author of the book that we're going through in classes, Sunday school classes and small groups, The Case for Antioch, he writes this, the significance of spirit-filled leaders cannot be overstated. It's essential because no church's spiritual vitality will ever rise to or stay above the spiritual devotion and maturity of its leaders. Christian leaders model what it means to follow the Spirit's leading to be spirit-controlled, to be, in the biblical language, filled with the Spirit. He's referring there to Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk on wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. So we see here that Antioch had, had prophets and had teachers. The prophets brought the heat. The teachers brought the light. And in this church, the two greatest disciple makers known throughout the whole church were brought together in Paul, who's also named Saul. His name changes back and forth a bit, and Barnabas. Now, these names you don't recognize are most likely the very men that were there at the very founding of the church. They were used, these men and women, used of God to start the church. Remember what I said last week. Barnabas uh, was sent by the headquarters in Jerusalem to go check out what was going on in Antioch. And when he went, he saw... Uh, The Spirit of God moving, he says, uh, Luke records for us, the grace of God in action. And he's so thrilled by by the beginnings of this church, and he knows how critically important it is that they're well-founded in the Word, that he leaves immediately, and he goes and he gets Paul from his hometown, and he brings him back, 
And he and Paul teach and minister and train up the disciples over the course of a year. And we'll look at that passage more next week. But this is a beautifully diverse group of leaders. Simeon was from East Africa, Lucius from uh, Libya. Menaean had grown up in privilege in the court of Herod Antipas. He's the son of Herod the Great. This is the Herod who was responsible for the beheading of John the Baptist. This is the Herod that put Jesus on trial. What a mystery of God's sovereignty that two boys raised under the same roof and one would grow to be honored as a Christian leader and one would only be remembered for his inglorious behavior and sinfulness. More importantly, it's so interesting to note this, that in the early church, there was absolutely no racial discrimination. Here is an African, a Greek, two Jews, and a Gentile. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, but it was the church as God had designed it. That's the kind of church that God wants, where there is a group of people coming together and their love for one another and their love for their Savior binds them together despite their differences. The pattern for the church is very clear here in the passage. These people were really born again. Before the church has much effect in the world, it must have a solid foundation in the word of God. And and as Antioch grew stronger and deeper in their faith, they were being prepared for God's assignment. So here we have a church built the right way with the three key ingredients, love, diversity, and sound doctrine. They were a growing church, a loving church, a church under the influence of the Spirit, just the kind of church God wants today. And the Church of World Missions was about to expand, and it was about to happen in the midst of a worship service. See, if if we're not preoccupied with being saturated as a people with the Word of God, the, the Word that comes by the Spirit of God, seeking as a first priority the peace and unity of our congregation in the midst of our diversity, of surrendering to the Spirit of God, this church will crumble. A church that doesn't teach the Word of God is going to be carnal, and so it will crumble. But the church that's built its heart and soul and mind and strength on the Holy Spirit's Word, that's a church that will be solid and will last. Verse 2. It says, while they, and that being the whole church, not just these five, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. Now let me illustrate verse 2 for just a moment. Okay, this is just an illustration. Greetings everyone in Nielsville. We had a wonderful spirit-filled worship service last week. We heard from the congregation. People were sharing powerful testimonies and there was a a sense of unity behind a very clear message, and we got your message. And so, immediately following this service, Pastor Andy and myself will be leaving for the next two years. We're first going to go to Colorado and plant a church there, and then on to California, where I'm from. We'll plant a church there, and then eventually, Lord willing, we'll come back. So elders, Ryan, 
Good luck. We'll see you. We'll see you in a couple years. That's what happened at Antioch. The Holy Spirit spoke. We just repassed the words. La, 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 la. The Spirit spoke and said, set your two best leaders apart for me. And look closely. It says, for the work I've already planned sometime in the past, I've already planned for them. And what God had planned for Paul and for Barnabas was the first great Christian mission trip. First to uh, Asia Minor and then eventually taking the gospel to Europe, to the ends of the earth. Breakthrough in world history. Was losing their most senior leadership a hard pill to swallow for the church in Antioch? You bet. Now, this is very unusual for us today. First, we, we usually think about God speaking through the leaders, and the leaders come and say, we've heard from the Lord, congregation. Let's tell you what the Lord has told us to send to you. This is the other way around. It's the people of the congregation who step up and speak to their leaders. And second, it's very unusual, those people that were commissioned, usually we see young leaders, young people ready to go out into the mission field. Here, it's the most senior pastors sent off. And third, this is a small church, 200, 300 people, and they're already losing their best leaders, but they know it's not losing, it's redeploying. Very unusual. Look at verse 3. Then after fasting and praying, they, the church, laid their hands on them and sent them off. Something powerful can happen. Something unpredictable can happen. And it can happen right here in this place when we gather on Sunday worship or we gather throughout the week. The power doesn't come from the organ or from the amps. The power comes by way of God-exalting worship. If you're worshiping and fasting, and this isn't just skipping breakfast, but worshiping for hours and hours and putting everything you have into the worship, something happens. I met with the Mission Council last week. These are our leaders who oversee global and local missions. And I don't know, something occurred to me. I don't know if it was the Lord, or just something on my own heart, but I said, what do you all think the idea of us planting a church in Frederick? Three, five years from now, what if we trained up uh, some leaders, uh, someone like Ryan and Lauren, and, and sent them off with our blessing to plant a church in Frederick? What do you all say? There's silence, like right now. A little nervous laughter, like right now. Then just this past Thursday night, Pastor Andy came to the elders and, and we talked about church planting and, and being moved by the Spirit. And I, I don't know if that's the plan. I don't. But I know that God can do amazing things. Don't you want to see something amazing happen? I do. And I've been blessed to see the Holy Spirit move and work in and through my ministry in, in powerful ways, including right here in this room. Question is, do you see it or have you seen it? Saul and Barnabas were sent off with everything they'd learned and experienced in this first ever experimental Jewish Gentile church, 
And then they come back in Acts chapter 14, verse 26, if you want to turn there, and 28. They come back with a report of the trip, and, and Dr. Luke writes this. It says, they sailed back to Antioch, where they, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work, for, for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them. I love that. All that God had done with them. And how God had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained there no little time with the disciples. So it's the church that commissioned them and then sent them off on this amazing journey to spread the gospel. First to Cyprus, which was Barnabas' home, and then eventually to the southern cities of the Roman province of Galatia. And we'll look at that next week. A transformational church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. For our church to experience power, we must be under the Holy Spirit's influence, yielding to the Spirit of God. And when we do, the Holy Spirit empowers everything that we do. He energizes the preaching. He enables your collective responses, including generous giving. He directs our elders in decision-making and calls people to new forms of service. Neil Still, I want, when you come to church, I want you to come with a holy expectation that God is going to do something miraculous in the hour of worship we have together. That every time we come together is an opportunity for God to do something amazing in someone's life. My commitment to you is that as the leaders that are up here, we're going to be doing our work. We're going to be preparing. We're going to be asking the Spirit to use our our minimal gifts to work through them, but we need you to come with that sense of expectation. Whether you know it or not, whether you see it or not, life and death decisions happen in this room every week. Life change happens. Commitments are made. Bondage to sin is broken. New directions are charted when we worship together. Things that can't be easily explained. When the Holy Spirit moved in the church in Antioch, the believers responded to the preaching. They gave of their resources. They they delivered that message to fellow believers. And they accepted the hard calls for the sake of the mission. They fasted and prayed and deployed to plant new churches. And that can happen here. That potential energy is here when we work together, when we yield to the Spirit, when we listen to God's voice. It'll happen through gospel proclamation, the songs of our faith sung loud and proud, the traditions that bind us together, the sacraments of our covenant, and the relationships that last for a lifetime. You just need to surrender to the Spirit. Ask for fresh wind and fresh fire to come and fill this church. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. I invite you to open your hymnal to that wonderful hymn, hymn number 322. You might know it by heart, but the words are printed there. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. (laughs) 